Are you a dental professional feeling overwhelmed by the demands of your workload and stress in the workplace? Are you feeling stuck, burned out, and undervalued? Have communication barriers and team conflicts weighed down your practice? Have you been searching for something that can help alleviate your burnout and unlock your true potential? Well, we know how you feel because we felt this way once too. As long-time dentists and professional life coaches, we're here to tell you to look no further. Refresh is here to give you access to key resources, tools, and the support you need to restore, renew, and revitalize yourself so that you can experience true well-being both in your professional life and in your personal life. That's right. So join us on an incredible journey full of growth and fulfillment like no other. Welcome to Refresh. We're happy you're here. Are you a busy dental professional looking for more success, balance, and joy in your life? Join us as we go behind the mask with Nithya Karya, a lifestyle coach who helps busy women release their stress and exhaustion using five simple habits. We'll be discussing joy as the vehicle for success versus the outcome of success. Also boundaries and how to microdose happiness to maximize life. If you're a dental professional looking for tips on defeating stress and achieving success, you won't want to miss this episode. So tune in now to the Mint Door podcast as we go behind the mask and learn Nithya's remarkable journey and her secrets of success. Hey everyone, here we are welcoming Nithya Karya to Behind the Mask podcast today. Nithya, thank you so much for being with us and uh, I can't wait to get into this conversation with you. Thank you, Laura and Karen. I'm really excited to be here today with you guys. Fantastic. So we have a question for you that is something that we believe everybody does um, and to different degrees. So we're curious, what insecurities have you hidden behind your professional um, mask in your life and how has that impacted and shaped who you are today? That is such a beautiful and thought-provoking question. And to be honest, I have to say that I probably have a pretty broad answer because when I grew up, I kind of had the luxury of growing up around a lot of people, like a very loving environment. And it also meant for me, the way I kind of interpreted that is that people thought really highly of me and really believed in me. And they were really amazing people. Like in my mind, they were just these giants that had accomplished so much and people loved them and they were part of the community. Just, they really checked all the boxes. And so when I started kind of stepping into my own and whatever that meant, right? Whether it's school, elementary school, right? All the way as we keep going, I think I really linked my work with my worth. And so everything really that I did, like all of my achievements were in some way, shape or form kind of hiding all of my insecurities. It was almost like everything, you know, I was always proving myself. And, you know, later I would realize it was mostly just to myself, but it was all of the things that I thought that I wasn't in that sense of like, again, like having people that around me that I really looked up to that I knew other people looked up to, um, they really just set in my mind this marker that this is what confidence looks like, success looks like, kindness, generosity, like all of the things, you know, that we look for to figure out where we are kind of on this spectrum. And so kind of, you know, when I went into work, 
that whole thing of getting good grades, getting degrees, doing all of the, again, checking those boxes of achievements that says, I think for a lot of people, at least on paper, right? That, okay, well, if I can do this, then it means I'm this. And so for me, like, and as I went and, you know, I, I had a few different career paths. I had a legal career path and then I became a fashion designer. And then, you know, later on in life, I, I got into coaching But really like each of those levels that I, when I went into them, it was like, I could be really excited about like the learning process and like getting into it. And then as soon as I would, you know, apply for that job or like show up for work every day, there would be this sort of low grade anxiety of, of somebody just realizing maybe that I, maybe I'm not that great. Maybe I didn't deserve the job. Maybe I wasn't going to get promoted and I was just going to stay at this low level. And then everybody in my family that was so excited for me and so proud of me was going to be like, oh gosh, you know, for me, it was almost like waiting, like that was going to be the proof that was going to be the job or the event or whatever that really said that confirmation for what I thought I wasn't. And I really think it just took me so many years of like, well, what I spent the first many decades doing was just instead of trying to figure out, right, like, oh, these are my strengths and I show up in this way, it was very much like I'm going to be that person. And I really felt like this kind of quilt of a person I would take. I was so good at really learning from other people and just like observing and then kind of absorbing, I think. That like, even if it didn't necessarily feel like me, I could say, oh, OK, well, that person kind of does this in social situations. This person seems to feel, you know, really comfortable taking tests or, you know, or showing up in stressful situations. So I can do that too. I'll just tell myself that I can do it and I'll just show up and I'll just say that I can do it. I guess it's a little bit like that fake it till you make it kind of feeling. And that's really how I felt like I just kept going and going and going until I just couldn't go anymore. I love the analogy that you made with the quilt mm-hmm. and just taking pieces of everybody else and trying to build this person of who we are, right? Yeah. What was that moment where you couldn't wear the quilt anymore? Well, you know, I think I started becoming a parent was like a was a really big turning point for me because I really started to kind of have this kind of awakening that if I was going to be teaching someone and caring for someone, I was also really conscious of what I didn't want to pass on. And I think a lot of that came just because, like I said, I kind of had this low grade daily anxiety that was just like, oh, you know, over like any little thing. And it wasn't debilitating, which I think is always like the deceiving part. I think so many of us you know, maybe we know people or we think about like anxiety only on the level of when it stops us from being able to do something. But I think, I mean, as somebody who is really driven, who is still really driven, I feel a difference like the before and the after of of how I show up and how I, you know, even what I go after. And so for me, it was just this point that started, I think when I, you know, was pregnant with my son, my first child of just really wondering, gosh, all of these things, like I had a real, lot of really wonderful parts of childhood. And then there were also the things I didn't want to pass down, you know, different ways I wanted to parent and just show up and just really start to, it was almost like I took my role as a human more seriously when it was 
it was because I was showing up for someone else. It was, it was almost like I wasn't quite enough of a reason to be like, you know, to work through some of that stuff, but my children were. Mm -hmm. And so I went through that and really this kind of slow evolution. And then I really hit a kind of like wall, I guess, when it came to the whole thinking process, when my kids were pretty little still, my husband biked to work and he was actually hit by a car on his way to work. And so at that point, you know, the kids were both, I think under seven, six or seven and, you know, kind of starting school. And I had started working again with another startup as a co-founder and I was really just working like it. Anyway, so many things just got just cleared off of my plate because I said, you know what, I have to take care of my husband. I have to, I wanted to take care of my husband and being this sort of driven kind of achiever in my head, I had a really particular way I was going to do it. Right. I wanted to brew all these herbs. I had to do everything naturally. I was going to do everything myself. And I, you know, people offer to help, but I was not really in like the, the emotional space, I think, or the mental space to even accept the help at that point. And so when I started coming out of that and just having all of these, like, I don't know, I always say it's kind of like the, you know, like from Scrooge, the the ghost of Christmas future when he comes to visit. And it was like, it felt a little bit like my, my life just got put on fast forward. And I felt like, gosh, if my whole life ends up being just this, well, one, this checklist of things, okay, my kids go to a great school. I do this, you know, my husband does that. We live here on top of just this idea that if I just focus everything on giving, like I just, I just felt like I wasn't receiving nothing. My cup was just never getting full because there was always something, right? Or even if I had planned to do something, it just gets knocked down the list or, you know, even the way we do things. I always think about, like, I have long hair. I don't get it done that often, but I always, you know, I just started to rethink things. Like I'm squeezing my haircut in you know, it could be a joyful experience. I do it like twice a year, you know, and I could take that time for myself, but like, I found that I was doing it. Okay. Well, I've got 45 minutes here and it's right by the school. So I'll go to this place. I'll get it cut and I'll watch the time instead of like just relaxing and enjoying, right? Like all of the things just, it just really got my wheels thinking of, of what's the point, right? Like, what am I doing all of this for? If I just, I'm missing the whole thing that everybody kind of promised me, I guess, right. That happiness, the fulfillment, the, just the peace, I guess, maybe even the, the actually getting that carrot that hangs in front of you of feeling like really being able to say like, what's enough. Maybe that's it. Just having an answer for that question so that I could achieve, I could go after things, right. I could shoot for the stars, but it, it wasn't going to mean it didn't have a connection to my own worth. Like I was doing it because I want to contribute. I want to serve people. I want to, you know, it brings joy to me, whatever it was that there was an answer outside of, outside of really connecting to my value as a human. I'm, and sure Laura is just listening to you talk, blown away by the amount of work that you have obviously done on yourself to understand this to the degree that you do and to be able to talk so eloquently about it. And I'm thinking about everything that you've learned about yourself over this period of time. If you were to go back to be able to talk to the Nithya of however many years ago when she was right in the middle of that process, what would you be telling your younger self knowing what you know now? I think, Karen, like one of the biggest things is 
that it actually does matter what you believe, like what you believe about yourself because, um, and thank you for the, for the immense compliment. Um, I have done a lot of work just on myself and personal development wise, like that is really has been like the biggest gift for me. And, and again, I did so much of it because I wanted to be the best parent I could be. So I think really that understanding that like all of the things that I I tried to do, right. They were really, it was like, I just kept asking myself the question. And so if I could have given myself the answer, right. That belief, that knowing that I am, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, even if it wasn't like the end result, right. Like I'm like, I'm not perfect. I can always, you know, I'm always finding ways where I can be better. I could be more patient. I could be more this. I could be more that. But just to know where I lie, like on the spectrum, right? So that I know because I really felt like everything that came, came into my world, like externally, whether it was a compliment, a comment, a remark, you know, whether it was unkind or kind, really, it just made me question, like, oh, is this, is this person telling me that, you know, I'm not generous enough. I'm not nice enough. Is if I didn't get that, you know, I didn't get into my, you know, the first college, my first choice college. Oh, does that mean that I'm not smart enough? Does that mean I'm not going to be successful, right? Everything that the outside world kind of communicated to me, you know, it really, I thought it was an answer of some kind. So I think, you know, really just recognizing that that's, an internal battle and it, it has nothing to do with anything outside of me. It's just really, I think to understand, right, that the believing in yourself is kind of an all or nothing game. We either believe in ourselves or we don't, because I think the waffling is a sign, right, that, that we kind of lost the faith in ourselves. How does somebody who is maybe not in their life done much inner work on themselves or they listen to you talk thinking, oh my goodness, I, I wouldn't know where to start. What would be the simplest step for somebody to take that they could just begin that process and dip their toe in? Yeah. You know, it's funny how simple the whole process I think really can be as a starting point, like that first domino. And I always say it, you know, it wasn't until I prioritized feeling good that I even realized how often I felt poorly whether it was tired, exhausted, whether it was, you know, just being unkind to myself, driving myself hard, right? I felt like a lot of the things we believe are not necessarily things we believe. So I like to, you know, I call actually this first step just microdosing happiness. And it's just the pause of being able to ask yourself, how do I feel right now? And it's just a simple, pretty much answer. I feel good. I don't feel great. And then just being able to make a different choice and saying, okay, how could I feel just a little bit better? And just being able to offer ourselves, I think mostly that self-compassion starts to, it be, you know, it slowly but surely starts to become your habit. And so, you know, I say this all the time, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of, and I don't even think it's the point to get rid of the you know, some of the parts that we kind of demonize about ourselves, the fears, the insecurities, the anxieties, the stress that kind of we create, but just being able to connect with them and realize they're just offering us information. And so when I ask myself, how do I feel right now? 
And then I say, okay, well, what could I do to feel just a little bit better? Mm-hmm. It starts to do the work on ourselves just because the answer matters, I guess, right? Is that we care enough to ask that the answer matters. I love that we care enough to ask. I mean, because I think a lot of people don't slow down enough to even ask. And they think how they feel is because of just external things outside of their control. One thing you said that really stuck a chord with me is that you decided to do this work when you brought children into the world because it they were worth it, but you weren't worth it up to that point. Yeah. And I I I identify with that and I bet a lot of people do as well. Like we always want to be the we always want to be better for the the people that we care about. How does your thought of joy being the vehicle for success versus the outcome of success. How does that relate to maybe the fact that doing this work for you is ultimately the number one goal? Yeah. So I think for me, like, again, one of the things that when I look back and I would have, I saw what I was doing you know, in another version of myself was that like all of the things that I wanted, I guess this is something I really could only see after I started asking myself and started feeling better consistently and seeing that I was able to do that for myself. I didn't need, you know, when I kind of took responsibility for my own feelings, like my own kind of emotional state and stepped off that emotional roller coaster. Because I did grow up with a lot of pleasing and that feeling of walking on eggshells and being so concerned with making sure everybody else was happy or was feeling good. And so much of that, you know, putting myself second came because I think I, I always, I was just always putting somebody else in front of me, you know, because I thought it was important. I thought that meant something about me again. If you're happy, that means I did my job, right? My it was it was a, you know, it's an impossible burden to carry for any of us. And so when I started to feel better, the interesting that I found was as somebody who was one, I just had some more awareness around achievement actually being something that brings me joy. Because when I was kind of in that burnt out hit that wall phase, I thought, God, maybe that's not me. Maybe I don't need to do, you know, do all of these things that I'm doing. But the truth is, is that it brings me so much joy to care for my family the way I want to, to, you know, cook fresh meals, to be present. Like, you know, I homeschool my kids. So to, you know, make that choice is really intentional, but it has nothing to do with, you know, what anybody else thinks, because definitely all people do not agree with me. And the same goes for even my career goals. And so when I started prioritizing my joy, all of the things that I worked so hard to do, to have, to believe about myself, they just, they were the natural byproduct, honestly. So it was like having this one goal of joy has actually helped me achieve more than I even thought was possible. So it's like I've expanded what my, I almost don't have a ceiling. And I don't mean that in an egotistic way of saying like, oh, I could do anything in the world. 
But I do mean that in the sense that if I genuinely wanted to go after something and I was willing to invest in it and put in the work, I really feel like, why not? Right. Whereas I felt like, why me maybe before or something like that, right? That says, oh, well, who am I to? I now just have such a different perspective on, on what I see as possible. And so that's like my biggest, you know, thing about just when you keep this one target of joy as your focus and prioritize it, I'm not saying you don't do any of the other work, but when you add this in as a value, then you know, the other stuff really falls into place. Like, you know, you feel more confident, you feel more capable, you know, there's definitely a lot less stress and anxiety and you just, you're showing up differently. And so you start to kind of see this ripple effect around you, right? You keep thinking, I think as achievers and as really, again, like when you just feel this drive behind you, this push, push feeling, you tend to want to do that to other people, <laughs> you know, whether that, you know, and you think that that, controlling is a sense of control, but really what it is, is just like, oh my gosh, it's just an enormous amount of stress as if I don't manage everything around me, it's going to fall apart. And then there's no joy in it. Right. And even for the people in your life, that's, you know, whether you're a leader in a, in an organization or you're a parent or just a, a you know, you just have a, a partner in life. I think we all get to have so much more fulfillment and peace from this process of evolution than we believe. We keep thinking we need to be perfect, but it's so gratifying just to see yourself evolve. Is all I have to say. This has been so enlightening. And I would like to just offer you the most sincerest gratitude for being open and vulnerable and honest with us about your journey and how you got to where you are because it's it's hearing that there there is light at the end of those tunnels from other people that can really help someone who's at the beginning of that tunnel. Yeah, no, thank you both for doing this because I think again the questions you ask are so powerful because for me, I know that so many of the insecurities that I had were also things that I hid because I assumed that everybody else had it figured out or nobody else had these kind of issues, you know, certainly not as an adult or as a mother, or as a whatever business owner. And it's, I really do love that you're supporting sharing this because as I have shared, I do feel like I have connected more with people because it's weird. Like, you know, I think that our strengths are really our unique things. And those are the things, you know, we don't want to hide them. And the, the pain points in our life, the struggles and the challenges, they're really the common threads that I think that we share with other people that connect us because our strengths are unique, right? They're our personal gifts that kind of get mixed up with, you know, our, our personality and how we show up and what we, how we choose to contribute. But, but the tough stuff, I think the beauty of the tough stuff is, is that everybody, you know, experiences that there's no one who's had a perfect life. So, you know, never be afraid, I think, to share. And it's taken me a long time to get to this place. But but it's so powerful to just be imperfect and to realize that it doesn't make us anything but human, right? So there's nothing to lose. It's powerful to be imperfect. I love that. 
Awesome. Well, you do some amazing work with women. You do private coaching and VIP days. Tell us a little bit about how someone could find you and potentially work with you or learn more about you. And also, I know you have a fun three-part audio mini-series. So talk a little bit about that for us. Yeah. Okay. I would love to share the audio mini-series with your audience. It is revolves around this concept that I call microdosing happiness, which is really the pause that leads to what I teach, which is really just joy as a success model through five simple habits. And it's, you know, when we microdose happiness, it's really what allows us, like I was saying earlier, to do that, choose again, to choose something that feels better. And what I have found just going through a lot of different types of development work is that I didn't, I really appreciated an approach, which is why I, you know, using my own personal experience as well as my professional work, you know, combining it to really give you a sort of map, a kind of just you know, give you guardrails because I think when we feel good, we know what we need to do. I don't think we need to worry so much about the details of, oh, this is how I ate today and this is whatever. But we start to, again, because we ask the question and because we care about the answer, how do I feel? Then I know, oh, I need to get some more sleep or I, you know, maybe I, you know, I need to, I'd like to spend more time at work. I'd like to spend more time at home. You know, whatever that looks like gets, joy gets to be kind of your unique path, your unique journey. So that is what that three-part series is about. And yes, I do do one-on-one coaching and VIP days, which is really kind of this concept I call like joy mapping. And it's this idea that, you know, again, because we don't necessarily need to have all of the details. We don't need to get bogged down in the, oh, I've got to chop my garlic. So it's you know, air us out. My broccoli is healthier if I cut it 30 minutes before I cook it. I mean, the things I hear, you know, people come in and really get worried about that block them is, you know, it's pretty eye-opening, I guess. Because the truth is, is we spend a lot of time, a lot of time thinking we need to do something to feel happier. And my work is really around releasing the blocks that we create. So it's going to flow without needing to do additional things. And once we're in that place, then we're going to have that momentum. So that's really the idea of joy mapping and what I work with clients again, one-on-one and in a sort of intensive experience to do. And then the private coaching as well. So that's all can be found on my website. Excellent. Oh, that sounds so fun. And um, just so you know, listeners, we're going to have all of the details Uh, in the show notes so that you can just click and find out more about the audio mini series, uh, the uh, private coaching and VIP days. So um, once again, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and uh, inspiring our listeners to think about joy, ask those questions, pause, and know that we're all in this together. (laughs) So thank you both so much for having me today. This was fun. Yes, it was. So good. Yes. Thanks listeners. We adore you and we hope you found some encouragement today. We'll be back shortly for another episode of the Mint Door Podcast. Bye. Bye.